Business at Sea Level. I am joined by Johannes, who is the CEO of Note. Johannes, congratulations on those recent results. Uh, another impressive quarter. Um, I've been flicking through and there's some really interesting numbers, but you seem to just be in this mode of being able to add steady growth quarter after quarter and that improvement in margins also seems to be sticking really nicely. So um, congratulations on that. When we spoke, I think it was close to a year ago, we talked about hopes and expectations for 2023. And you talked about this perfect storm of a little bit of a slowdown in demand, availability of all those parts that you were um, struggling to get last year and the ability to kind of get through the backlog and um, and keep your customers happy and still and still grow the business. Is that what's panned out or has the has the market actually been a little bit different to that? In some way, it has happened quite uh, much as I, as, I pl- as I planned and uh, what I was expecting. All these shortages uh, will come to an end in, in, in a way and, and uh, how they end is very hard to 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 see, but uh, as I said before, we all the changes that occur they will they will come faster than you think, and then the resolution of, of the shortage will 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 go much faster than anyone anticipates. And I think mm-hmm. we saw that this time as well. But what we have seen on top of the, of this, uh, the availability comes back. Uh, we we managed to get uh, all the backlog out through to the customers, but very. F- Short after that, we also saw a quite big destocking activity among our customers that we that I didn't expect to see in, in this way because um, I thought that we that the customers had less inventory on hand and, and uh, so during twenty one and twenty two, a lot of customers managed actually to increase their inventories and I I did not see that actually, but. Um, all in all, I think this year is a very, very good year. Again, um, a lot of people talk about that this is a, this is the end of the high growth at the EMS companies. Mm. Um, we will close this year just shy of twenty percent growth, and I think that's uh, if that's a bad, if that's a slowdown. I think it's uh, I, I take a slowdown once in a while if that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's impressive continuation, and we, you know, when when I. When I speak to companies, particularly in that kind of sweet spot of being, you know, kind of over a hundred million and and below a billion, um, it seems it seems to be an area of strong growth and customer loyalty. And I think we're seeing some trends with respect to regionalization and geopolitics that are playing into the hands of Europeans and and um US and and uh, North American uh, EMS companies generally, um, but when I look at your numbers, some of the numbers, you know, apart from the consistent growth, which is very impressive in itself, but when I look deeper into the numbers, one of the numbers that stood out to me is the net sales per employee, which. If I look since 2018, as over the six years, has almost exactly doubled. Um, so you've managed to achieve three x growth in that period, and only 1.5 x growth in your in in your headcount. That's really significant when we look at the key trends and the future of the EMS industry. How have you managed to achieve that? I think we 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 are one of the companies that are investing uh, 
uh, at a higher level in the industry. Uh, and um, I think this year we will invest like yeah, 120 million Swedish in, in pure um, equipment. And uh, the efficiency you get out of, of the of the new uh, SMD lines, and and we and we have also connected all, all the equipment into the system, so we we have a, a very robust uh, manufacturing system around the around the machines that has helped us a lot. Uh, we have also invested quite heavily into uh, the logistics around it, so so a lot of component towers. Uh, we have an auto store in Torsby. Uh, the, all those are linked together and that uh, helps us a lot. So I would say that our reduction of um, headcount related to, to our sales is uh, significant in the logistics area. And then we have also treated our uh, low-cost manufacturing units as uh, Western Europeans. So, so we have, um, I think in both uh, Pernod and, and China, we have uh, increased sales significantly, but we're less people today than we were when I started in 2018. So I think those the combination between seeing those sites as as um, uh, as we see the Swedish and the, and the UK sites, that has been a very big help for, for us. And the profitability comes uh, very nicely along with this. And, and yeah. I will also say that we have, during those five years, we have actually increased or the material content of our sales has increased significantly. So our margin of the material has went from 38, uh, 39% down to 32%, 33%. So, we have actually given over some of the savings also to the customers. So um, we have not only increased the, the profit, we have also managed to reduce the the, uh, the cost content from what we create internally. And uh, I think that is that is really impressive. And, and that's what I'm yeah. that's what's what's driving growth. Yeah, and that's gonna drive stickiness with the customers and and uh, and that continuous growth in demand. I think what's really interesting is you've done that. Over six years, you've done that largely because you're driving towards a more efficient um, and better managed manufacturing process and greater profitability. But during that time, and particularly now, we're in a position where talent shortages are a real issue. And having that program that allows you to grow your sales at twice the speed you're growing your 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 headcount is significant in in being able to meet the meet the demand in the future without having to stress too much about talent is that something that you have considered along the way or is that a happy coincidence i don't believe in coincidence actually but but uh, in one way it is uh, a coincidence but uh, what we have seen is that we are we have factories in very different places or, 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 uh, in, in the countries we are in. In Sweden, for example, we have our largest site is in Nortelia outside Stockholm. There's a lot more turbulence on the on the on the uh, uh, in the workspace, so to say. There, there's easy for people that work for us to to take another position. While in Torsby, we are by far the largest employer in in a big in a, in a quite uh, big area, and that means that. We have a higher, how should I say, loyalty among the staff. Mm. We have high loyalty in, in basically all our sites as well, but it's easier to to keep the, the staff in a site like Torsberg rather than in Montpellier yeah. where, where opportunities are so much bigger. So we deal with this in totally different ways wherever we are. So we have no no fixed way of doing it. And, and I think that is one way that, that we like in, 
internally that we we see all the sides for what they are and not we, we don't sit there in, in the head office and try to dictate how we deal with this. We we allow the sides to handle this in their own ways and then we support them as good as we can. Yeah. So that is how we see them. And so far we have not been we have not lost any sales due to that. We we have we have uh, been unable to attract uh, headcount. So so I don't. I haven't heard of any site that has complained about this. We can talk about that. It takes a long time to hire, but um, no, uh, no loss sales due to this. So yeah, we might be, yeah. but uh, but uh, that's how how we see it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I spoke to. Um, I was in Mexico uh, a few weeks ago talking to a contract manufacturer there, and he felt that people were just constantly complaining about skill shortages and the the lack of talent available. And he said, you know, the industry has to take responsibility itself. You have to train people. You have to upskill people. And if you look at the you know that the fact that you're getting much more net sales per employee double what you were six six years ago one would think in that period you've actually upskilled those staff and probably the average income of those staff has risen during that time as well so it's you know it's a it's a net positive effect for them and as you bring in automation it's not to reduce headcount it's to be able to grow the business at the speed the customers demand with the talent that's available Oh, I agree that is, um, it's, um, <clears throat> if, if I take Tushby, that's a very good example where we, where we work together with the municipalities and, and the schools are, are, are uh, have, uh, yeah, they, they have classes that are basically uh, training people that, that will be good for us to hire. So, so there's a good uh, combination there. And then yeah. so we have people that have, only worked for us that are working in Tushby. They, they might be like in the 50s today, but they have only worked in our factory. But they, have, they might have done several different things. So we, we try to recruit them young, and then we, we, we encourage them to go to universities to get an engineering degree or, or similar, and then we allow them to grow in the, in the, in the, in the company. And that, uh, that works really, really well. It's, easier to do it when you are in a small city rather than in a big city and so yeah. that's um, we we don't have the same connections like in lund or, or Italia where, where the cities are so much bigger yeah and there's much more demand and there's much more mobility and the idea of upskilling people to create better and more sustainable jobs for them as well as as well as um, a good opportunity for your business is you know is 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 very attractive for both you and for and for the industry i just wanted to touch a little bit more on the on the automation side and you talked a little bit about the efficiency that you're getting out of the smt line but what i think is is interesting when you look at the you know a typically factory there's a lot of manual stuff that goes on post pcba there's a lot of uh u-cells of um of of people assembling stuff that's an interesting area of automation as we as we look forward is that idea of cobots of adaptable automation something that is in your strategy and is in your plan going forward Yes, I would say we have we have uh, several cobots in in uh, in our larger factories. Uh, I would say the, the the activities that happens, especially after uh, selective soldering, that we can we have also managed to automate uh, in a way. But mm -hmm. uh, after that, is very tricky because uh, there's so many variations and so many different products when it comes to box build and 
many customers do not see or think automation when they design the products. And if they're not designed for, for automation, it's very hard to automate it. So I agree that this, this is an area where there, there where we can do a lot more in, over the coming years together yeah. with the customers. But yeah. it's uh, it's tricky. I mean, material flows quite easy to automate. Uh, uh, SMD fantastic lines today. Uh, really fast, really easy to 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 run. Uh, but uh, what happens after that is more tricky. Uh, I agree yeah. with that. And uh, I think you have to be. We have some products where we have the longer series that could be potentially be be auto automated, but. Uh, a lot of the products we where you do maybe ten pieces uh, in a in a in a batch very tricky to do. Yeah, but there were there we will we will be sticking with, with with a lot of manual work. Yeah, and I see I I see that absolutely being the case in that high mix lower volume um, environment. Yeah. But I think there are there are some really interesting opportunities for adaptable automation as as we go forward. So when when you look at what's going on in the in the um, in the industry, there's obviously shifts going on um, geopolitically that affect the way you think about where you're going to um where you're going to manufacture and also where your customers want to place that business i don't know if you're seeing a bit of a renaissance in in terms of european manufacturing and business coming there i know you've just acquired in the uk and i don't know whether that's a post brexit um strategy to help you in that region talk to me a little bit about how you see the the whole kind of geographical footprint and and where where next to develop that if you if you look at sweden for example as a country for for manufacturing um with it with the with the with the weak currency it has become rather cheap to to produce in sweden compared to to uh, other european countries so for for us it has been a real benefit for, to have a, a large footprint in sweden mm -hmm. uh, swedish companies uh, have also very high traditional growth and 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 and, and attracting new new business so, so for us it has been a really good uh, how should I say con connection between us and and the, and the customers mm. and the trend has been very strong of 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 a near shoring or, or whatever we call it yeah. so so for us it has been uh, the footprint in Sweden has been paying off really really well um when it comes to UK it's a bit of a of a of an interesting story um the market everyone perceives it as a rather weak but if you look at the at the outlooks i think uk is predicted to grow faster than any other country in the coming two three years when it comes mm -hmm. to manufacturing and i would say this is a this is in my in my mind it is, has a lot to do with brexit uh, small and medium-sized series customers wants to have them made within uk and we want to to um, uh, yeah to jump on that trend. Uh, so it's, so for us it has been uh, really good. And business in the UK in UK is also very local. Uh, it surprises me every time I go there mm -hmm. that uh, in the sites uh, very few customers are outside the like a radio of uh, fifty miles. Yeah, so it's really really all the customers can basically take the car and go in within an hour or two to the, to the, to us and. Yeah, so even if we have four sites, we're not competing with each other. It's uh, we don't. I think we share one customer between all yeah. the four sites, so, so it's it's not more than that. 
Yeah. So that has been. Uh, we like UK. It's a, it's. A, I think. Um, yeah. It can be. It will be fantastic. It's uh, the only problem that I see is that uh, the Brexit has also uh, prevented a lot of uh, staff to come to UK to work. So there's a yeah. uh, shortage yeah. of skilled workers. Yeah, uh, that, that way. Cases. Yeah, that's one of the big challenges there. And what about what about elsewhere? Where do you where do you see the footprint developing next? And do you do you feel any um, geographical pressure from your customers to be manufacturing in, in any particular region? Are they moving? Are they pushing less manufacturing in China and maybe more manufacturing here in Europe or in into the Americas? Yeah, I think I think there is um, the first uh, thing that I, I I think is very visible is that um, um, there is not so much business that moves back from China. That is, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's an incorrect way. Of, but it's very little business that goes there. So so the, yeah. the push towards China has has been significantly lowered over the last say, three yeah. four years. Um, and that will over time mean that that the part of the business that is produced in China will will decline. Uh, we recently acquired a factory in Bulgaria to to try to um, offer a similar cost uh, base in in Europe for for uh, the customers that uh, earlier wanted to go to China due to cost. Uh, so that is one one area where we believe that we will grow significantly mm-hmm. over over the coming years. Uh, we have just started to to. Um, Turn that factory into a note factory, so to say. Yeah, beautiful factory, very very strong team, and and, and so on. good customer base. So we are very pleased to, with that acquisition. Yeah, um, but outside that, I think we it's easy to grow with within uh, within countries that you operated. You know, you know the culture, you know the politics, you know that. So so those are very easy yeah. acquisitions to make, and you you get a lot of benefits from it. But uh, I think yeah. Sweden, we we see us that we have maybe fifteen percent market share. We don't need to have a bigger market share. We are we are by far the largest uh, manufacturer in, in this country. And, uh, yeah, it's a very good position, but we don't need to acquire more, as I see. But uh, you never yeah. know. You can stumble over something that is very very attractive, and then we might just uh, catch the yeah. opportunity. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think I think now when I look at M and I think you have to. You you have to have that mix of um, strategic thinking and opportunism, um, because you know stuff does come along, and uh, you know the, the the market can dictate availability when when you don't expect it, and if it's an opportunity that suits, then you know mixing that inorganic with that organic um, growth is 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 a great way to continue to um, continue to build the business. Um, last last question. What are your kind of expectations as we round out this year and as we move into 2024? It feels like that all the talk of recession um, hasn't occurred. It doesn't seem more likely now than it did six months ago when people were talking about it even more. Um, how do you feel about the back end of the year in 2024? I think uh, for us, the... the our view of the market has not changed at all. I, I think uh, 2024 will be a really good year. Uh, we are, uh, we have um, been very clear on that. We 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 have been 
awarded business that we will that we're still ramping up and and, and implementing in, in our in our production. So we we believe that 24 and 25 is also looking really strong. And beyond that, we 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 don't see why we should we we shouldn't be able to continue with what we do. So uh, when we had our first uh, capital market day two years ago, we we had a, a hope to double in four years. Uh, we would probably do that faster. Um, and I don't see why we should be able to continue with it. We, we, the customer seems to appreciate what we do, and, and uh, there is uh, lots of opportunities out there that we try to, to catch. So we're very, yeah. we have very high self-confidence, but uh, we, we see us as very, as long as we continue with what we do, I don't see why we should be able to, to continue with, with, with the speed that we grow. It's, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I think us, it's, uh, Try, to, try not to change too much. Yeah, just, just yeah. continue with and, and, yeah. yeah. I think you I think yeah, I think your bullishness is is pragmatic and it's not just supported by the sales numbers, it's supported by the numbers behind them, which I think is really important. Turnover, after all, is largely vanity and it's um it's it's you know generating returns on that on that revenue that's uh, that's the important thing. And and that seems to be improving as well. And you you're reaching a nice, a nice sustainable level of um of profit margin and and investing in efficiency as well as uh, as well as in growth, so all bodes well for the uh, for the future. Continued success. Thank you so much for talking to me, and uh, look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you. Thank you.